Hey guys, it's Thomas Fogel here from the Brisbane Broncos, and you're looking to the Supercoach Champions Podcast. Hello and welcome to the NRL Supercoach Champions podcast. I'm Joe Fitz. Well, we're done with the buys and with just an origin game between us and the run home. And here to help us get to our final teams before we run out of trades is a man who risked it all for round 17 glory. Wilf, how'd it work out for you, mate? Safe to say it did not work out at all. <laughs> I only ended up having, you know, 12, I think, with the likes of Suwali dropping out and obviously everyone copped a tohu injury. But yeah, it wasn't great. I think uh, my dreams of having 14 or even 15 at one stage playing just fell in a heap, like Josh Schuster, obviously, a couple of weeks back as well. So yeah, uh, in the end, I still managed to squeeze out 720, so not too bad. Saw me go up another 2,000 ranks, but you know, I was hoping to you know, at least be in the top 10,000 at this stage. I'm only top 14,000. So yeah, unfortunately, slow going, but yeah, obviously, we've still got eight weeks to go ridiculous that from week to week you've scored less than half what you did the week before. <laughs> and that's not a shot at you. That's just the, the 2021 Supercoach season. It's just a roller coaster, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I think, you know, Guy had a pretty good round, 749. So he's up into the top 2,000 now, only 250 points off top 1,000. So he's still going strong. I think we might be getting him back next week. Uh, so no doubt he will um, – hopefully we can have a good week and he can go badly so he doesn't gloat too much about how far ahead he is from us. Yeah, I've faded a little bit. 644 puts me in the 4,600. So I'm about 250 points off Guy and obviously one champ down uh, with Guy still playing Super Dad this week. So 2017 champ and regular guest Sam Rolf gets a call up. How are you going, mate? Very well, thanks, Joe. G'day, Wilfred. How are you going, buddy? Good, thanks. Good, thanks. Thanks again for jumping on. It's always great to have you on and – I often get a lot of people going, well, when are you going to get Sam on again? Love Sam. Oh, there's some sick people out there, mate. <laughs> <laughs> How, how's, how's the team travelling, mate? Um, I've, I've sort of been up and down all year, guys. Um, I didn't have a lot of numbers on the weekend, so I was happy. I think I had seven play, so I pushed out a 672 score, which not real good. I'm sitting roughly uh, 3,354, to be exact, 3,354, so it's... Just been one of those seasons where I had a pretty ordinary start and been battling away trying to get myself up to that 1%. But in the top 2%, I don't see myself getting much higher. Yeah, that, that kind of year, mate. The highs are high and the lows are pretty low. Um, our champs, though, Wilf, doing a bit better than us? Yeah, um, so shout out to MJ. He's still pacing the champs. He's uh, had a strong round, pushed himself back up to 56. So still might be a bridge too far to hit the top, but... Obviously, he's still yeah, well-placed for some cash. I think if he can sneak into the top 10, there's still um, you know money on offer there. And then we've got Fong, coach of Munster Inc., uh, who slipped a little bit, but he's um, coming second in the champs group at 131st. And a quick shout-out to Champions 20 Head-to-Head 2 League. So a t- head-to-head league where plenty threw in the towel for round 17. So understandably, they slipped a fair bit, but they're still 28th overall and a quick shout-out to the Turbo's Hemis Cup, um, as you can imagine. A lot of people who prepared well for the buys and therefore, yeah, strong week up to third uh, overall. And I think there's two leagues in the top three that are 20-team leagues and still you know, leading overall. Uh, so that's a really strong outcome. And I think, yeah, the Turbo's Hemis Cup, a uh, real good chance of getting up to the top, but we'll have to see how that plays out. Yeah, for sure. I think I've won four in a row in that league and I'm still sitting in seventh and I don't think I've moved from seventh. So very, very competitive. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, like I said, highs are high and lows are low this year. But we'll, um keen to take a few to take us through some of the notable injuries uh, to consider this week. What's the matter? Have you seen a football injury before you wimps? Let's go. Right, so it should be a nice, quick, easy one for injuries. Obviously, less games this week. Uh, from round 16, really, uh, you got Bradman Best and Tyson Frizzell both coming back from uh, syndesmosis injury. So at this stage, it looks like Bradman Best on track for round 20 or thereabouts. And Tyson Frizzell uh, should be good to return round 18, and he's been named, so that's all looking good. Uh, as far as I'm aware from NRL Physio, he... 
and this is all information you can get via his Patreon, so definitely check that out if you're not uh, clear on it. But uh, from the studies he's done and the research he's done, it appears there should be no major concerns in terms of performance. So once they're back, they should be back and good to go and not really too concerned about any reoccurrence or re-aggravations or anything like that. Next uh, is Daniel Saifidi. He is missing Origin 3 with a rib injury, but he looks like he will play around 18. Similar to, I guess, Takeaho previously, there is a bit of a question mark of uh, re-aggravation if he cops a hit in the wrong place. But otherwise, uh, yeah, it should just be pain tolerance, pain management type thing. So, I mean, if you own Dan Saifidi, I think you would be perfectly fine to, to hold him given, you know, trade situations, things like that. I know, obviously, with Takeaho myself, I did sell him as soon as I knew he had the rib injury, but that was a long time ago. And um, it was more of a circumstantial thing. If it's this late in the season, I, I think I would be holding. I wouldn't be rushing out to buy him, obviously, if I didn't own him in my team already. So uh, next injury is uh, Jerome Luai, his MCL. So at this stage, tracking for round 20 return. So that's... um. Know, something to keep an eye on and otherwise you know once he's back shouldn't be any major concerns about re-aggravation or anything like that then we've got a bunch of calf injuries obviously josh schuster had been out for a long time named to return so at this stage it looks like he should be okay there were some question marks about how like why he was out for so long some of it was either you know it wasn't like a full re-aggravation but when he tried to play on it there'd be pain there'd be issues there so that's why he ended up sitting out for so long, but it seems like I assume with the break from the buy, uh, from the time off rather, uh, he should be good to go. So yeah, um, he may not be full fitness, obviously missed a lot of game time, so match fitness would be an issue, so I wouldn't be expecting him to be straight back into 80 minute uh, form. So something to keep in mind there for those who do own him. Matt Moylan obviously ruled out late, uh, it's just... Um, you know, he's got that history of soft tissue injuries, so that's something to be mindful of. Not that it's a major issue for Supercoach. Not many people will have him, but it's obviously having some play, um, some you know, flow-on effects right now for Sean Johnson with uh, Trindle in there and goal-kicking too. Uh, so yeah, he's, he may be out for another couple of weeks at this stage, which is not ideal. And Dynamis Louis also had a calf injury, and he's going to be out for a little bit longer at this stage. Uh, obviously, Chad Townsend, Toto Harris, both AC joint injuries. And, you know, initial you know, timeframes look to be two to four weeks. Uh, and they were both looking like they were trending towards the four-week mark rather than, um, you know, the two-week mark. And that's four-week return to play, so missing three weeks and then playing in the fourth. So right now, uh, if, if, you know, either of these guys play, there, um, you know, it'd be a two-week return to play, so only missing the one week and then playing the game after. So that's something to be keeping an eye on. Obviously, not ideal. Uh, according again to NRF Physio, there is concern for reoccurrence with the AC joint injuries, especially for Toho Harris being the middle forward. You know, he's going to get his arms in there tackling, and you know that shoulder is going to get tested. So it's uh, you know he he, was, he doesn't recommend selling or anything like that, but. It's just something to be mindful of. He may be a little bit tentative if he can't rushes back in particular. If he does take a bit more time to get better and you know give the shoulder a bit more time to heal, that should bode well uh, for his recovery. So if he doesn't play this week, and he, he probably plays next week, but he may not be 100% straight away. And uh, there was also injury to Toff Sipley, uh, and he'll be out for a couple of weeks, obviously, and he just did that last round so uh yeah like i said not too many injuries and that's uh the injuries so far let's move on to the team list steven i like your hustle that's why it was so hard to cut you. congratulations the rest of you made the team except you you and you Okay, so let's kick off our team's analysis with your beloved eels taking on the titans sam uh what's jumping out at you with this one um I think it's probably uh, the strongest team they've named all season. Uh, we still have the young rookie in on the wing. Yeah, Hayes Dunster. Um, he's still in there for Fergo. So apart from that, that's pretty much their strongest team for the season so far. The bench is nice and strong. If anybody is looking for someone probably outside 
you know, the real elite or most expensive back rowers. Um, I brought in Nathan Brown a couple of weeks back, and I'm pretty happy that I did. He's, he was around the 450k mark or something, but since then he's rocking a mid 70s average or three round average, so I'm pretty happy with that. So if someone's looking for maybe a second tier, third tier type forward to bring in for their team for the run home, maybe it's the, the fifth or sixth back row. I think Nathan Brown's uh, your guy at the moment, and it's someone just different to have a look at anyway for this week. Yeah, only 3.6% owned, 495k, so the value's there for sure, and a break-even of 29, so he's probably going to bounce up a little bit from here. I guess with a lot of the power forwards, obviously we've spoken a lot about Papali'i and Maddo tending to get a rest uh, in rotating weeks, that that four-forward bench has really scared a lot of people off Brown. But, yeah, like you said, he has kicked on uh, in recent weeks. Um, Reed Marnie returns, 465K with a break-even of 42. Will, we've gone through how much of a minefield hook has been this year. Is he is he the kind of guy that you want, might want to sneak back in for the run home? Yeah, I've been looking at it. Um, not that I have the trades to be able to, you know, swap from like a Braley or whatever type to Marnie, but I think he's a genuine option for the run home. The Eels do have some tougher matchups, and actually that probably works better for hookers. Um, it should increase his base stats a little bit. I'm a little bit cautious because he's obviously coming back off an injury, but they've given him plenty of time to recover. I wouldn't be rushing him in this week, honestly. I think he'd probably wait a little. I wouldn't be shocked that he does play well because uh, the Titans have been fairly susceptible in the past, a bit of lazy ruck defense. So Marnie's been quite creative. He's got a lot of attacking stats, uh, and, and that could you know, play out well in his favor. I wonder if, um, you know, obviously Mitch Moses getting to debut in Origin this week, I wonder if that's going to impact. Um, obviously, that's the quickest turnaround time. They do say, you know, I'm sure you guys have heard it before, but they do say, you know, barring injury, being able to back up in 48 hours can actually be better for the body. So I wonder if he does back up. If he doesn't, then, you know, Clint Gutherson, if you've got him, I wouldn't be trading him in, but he's probably a, a fine hold if you've got him available for this round because he might have the goal kicking against, uh, you know, a very suspect Titans defense. Yeah, Gutho's a funny one. Break even of 134. Um, Sam, obviously being an Eels fan, you've watched him closely this year. Do you think he's viable in terms of the, you know, the Pappenhausen, Ponga, Turbo, Teddy kind of fullback rush that's going on at the moment? I'm happy to run with the Turbo, Teddy, uh, and even uh, Pappy when he comes back, or, or Ponga maybe for a late shake in the last two or three weeks. But no, I, I can't bring, I can't recommend to bring Gutho in at the moment. If, if you own him, uh, I would definitely ride that for another couple of weeks, but I, I couldn't recommend to bring him in um, with other better options still around at the moment. But as uh, Wilfred said, if Mitch Moses is out, he, he gets the goal kicking for a week, and it's the sort of week where you know, he could pick up 20 points, 24 points of goal kicks alone if, if things shake out that way. Yeah, and speaking of scoring well, I think probably one of the more obvious VC options this week is a well-rested David Fafita. Wilf, I've got the, uh, the vice-captain armband on him. What are your thoughts? Absolutely. Straight straight there with you. He'll probably be burning from missing origin and he'll be keen to rip in. Obviously, it is a tougher matchup, but I think Dev Fafita, he's just one of those guys, if he's on, he's on, and he can easily score a double anytime he feels like it. So perfect option to vice-captain. I think uh, if you don't have him, given he doesn't have to play origin, have to worry about backing up, given that they're going to have Fodawaka and Tino having a backup, as well as maybe Brimson if he does, like, I just think it's a perfect week for Fifita to step up and really take ownership. I know he's copped some flack in the past because he's not been as busy as he should be or they're saying with how much money he's got that he should be doing more. Like, he's an edge back rower, you know. There's only so much he can do. Uh, I just think he, he, you know, with a break-even of 80, 668,000, if you don't have him, he's going to play 80 minutes. Just get him in. He's one of the priority trade-ins this week for me. Yeah, I tend to agree. And the reason why I call him an obvious vice-captaincy option is that myself and no doubt tens of thousands of other super coaches are praying that Tommy Turbo uh, backs up to put the captaincy on him up against the Dragons team that's in absolutely all sorts, Wilf. Yeah, I know. And for me, you know, I, I talked pre-round 16 and round 17 about crossing my fingers and hoping for Pappenhausen for round 18. That's fallen in a heap for me. So I've got Turbo and Paps, and I really need Turbo to play. Otherwise, I am going to be copping an AE, and that's certainly not ideal with some of the old names that have shown up on this Seagulls team list, including my supposed enough of Kurt DeLouis, who's managed to hold himself a, 
a bench spot uh, with Jake Turbo still out from injury. So not ideal, not ideal at all. But if Turbo does play, I think, yeah, how do you not captain him against the Dragons, right? Yeah, exactly, and and Ruben Garrick even a sneaky one, even though he was a little bit disappointing from fullback on the weekend. Um, Sam, I know that Wilf uh, held Schuster um, four seventy six k with a forty one break even. Clearly, he's a play if you've got him, but is he even someone to sneakily look to bring into your final team this week? I don't see him as a uh, final seventeen player, so I, I wouldn't be looking to trade him in. If you already have him in your twenty five, definitely play him this week. Um, uh, providing the kid's completely over all the injuries he had, he he should rack up a nice little score. There should be a lot of fifty plus scores in this game this week for most of the manly players. Yeah, it's probably probably the reason to hold on to Jason Saab for one more week after he absolutely uh, made a mess of it uh, last week with, I think he upgraded to 12 points or something, but he's 526k with a break even of 19. Um, if Turbo doesn't play, maybe he hits it, maybe he doesn't. Um, but against this Dragon side, he could also easily go 160, couldn't he, Wilf? Yeah, I think if you've got him, regardless of whether Turbo plays, you probably just want to hold him. If Turbo plays, obviously Saab is a must-play. So, yeah, I think you know at that break-even, you probably have other priorities to trade elsewhere. Just on Schuster, I actually did end up trading him out because of the fact that he wasn't going to play round 17. Like we got that now early enough. I don't think I'd bring him in. I don't know if he's going to play 80 minutes um, coming back from this calf injury. You know, the the reason that his return was delayed was apparently it just never settled. Every time he tried to train and ramp up the training, it was either like a re-aggravation or the pain be back or something like that. So uh, there's some concerns about his fitness as well. And obviously with Lawton, you know, we thought he was going to go back to the bench and he's there and I just kind of think, well, where's he going to play? Uh, I can certainly see Schuster playing maybe just, five, uh, you know, 50, 60 minutes and then having to share. Uh, or even if he does play 80, his work rate might be a bit down because he hasn't got that match fitness lately. So I wouldn't be trading him in, but if you got him, he's probably a play this week. Yeah, and speaking of a, a risky trade in Ben Hunt for that pro, uh, you know problematic hooker position, five sixty nine k minus sixteen break even. It does have a bit of a feel of a now or never, but um, you know I think the sensible play is just to avoid any dragons at this point as well. Yeah, I have to agree, definitely. Yeah, so. Raiders, Sharks, Sam, both these guys, uh, both these teams have lots of popular round 17 plays in them. Um, not all of them did that well, though. Um, what are your thoughts on the on the makeup of the teams there? Uh, for the run home, um, oh, I only have one Canberra player at the moment, and that's um, CHN. I'm, and I was just talking to you guys before we started recording with uh, he's in hold for the rest of the year. Um, I'm low in trade, so I probably will hold him. Um, but there's no real Canberra players I'm looking at at the moment um, and no Sharks players either. I do own Sean Johnson, so I'll be interested to see how he goes, even though I probably won't put the reserve jersey on him this week. But apart from that, there's not a lot of interest for me from either of these two teams heading to, uh, towards the finish of Supercoach. Yeah, Wilf, I know you were interested in you know playing a bit of Sharks backline roulette um, you know, in the weeks leading up to round 17. I, I think you landed on Sione Katoa, but the likes of Rami and, uh, and even Kennedy were on the list at some point. Um, any of those guys uh, a hold for the, for the run home or do you really need to look to move them on? I think the thing with Rami, like, he's obviously showing that he's got strong baseline there, so the floor's there but we just haven't really seen much of a ceiling and I just don't know how much he's going to get in attack. So he's probably a very safe play and you'll roll him out and you'll hope for you know, one or two attacking stats to get him to, you know, if he gets one attacking stat, he'll probably be sitting around 80 when he had the 120 plus score early this year. You know, he, he had multiple attacking stats. So it's just very unlikely. I just don't see him as having that, you know, 150 plus ceiling. I went with Sione Katoa because I think, like at the time, anyway, my thinking was that the wingers are the ones who are getting the tries here. You know, we saw Molotalo cash in, well, not quite cash in. He's had like multiple tries called back against him, poor guy, uh, on top of everything else he's been going through. Kind of a break. Like the Sharks do like to send it out to the wingers um, when they're not, you know, setting it up for Braden Hamlin Ueli to possibly show us the best try celebration of all time. <laughs> Did how you guys see that one? Yep, how good was it? I oh, loved it. Loved it. it was it was a cracker. I mean, the way Jack Williams sold that punch, I mean, I know we're going on about <laughs> Ueli 
you know, having the try celebration. But if Williams doesn't sell that punch in the same way, we are absolutely not talking about it as an all-time celebration. So let's let's give some uh, props where it's. He should be heading the Daniel Vito way. He sold that punch <laughs> terrifically. <laughs> There's some fact that apparently, if Williams crosses, I think um, Braden will be involved in a, a joint celebration to reciprocate. So. Let's uh, cross our fingers for Jackie Williams to maybe to get to get some meat this week against the Raiders. Getting a stone cold stunner, or uh, well, apparently uh, triple H's move, or yeah, apparently there's a there's some whispers of a stone cold stunner on the way. Not not a Toby, Toby Rudolph stone cold stunner, by the way. It's a completely different thing. <laughs> No, not at all. So, um, yeah, back to the back line. I think if you had Will Kennedy, you've got to move him on. Uh, you might give him another week in case your other fullback doesn't play, but. He's definitely not a run-home guy. He was definitely there for buy coverage. you got to get to one of the, the top-tier options, I think. Uh, if not this week, then next week, definitely. Uh, but with the back line, I'm, I'm going to hold Sienna Katoa. I, I am a little bit worried because he, he looked a bit out of sorts. But just to, you know, to the round before, he was looking very good. But you know, it's just uh, I've got the depth in my center wing to be able to rotate. So I'll just probably roll him out for matchups and really hope for that upside. We might chat about that a bit later as well. For sure. And, and an absolute disaster trade-in for me a few weeks ago was CSC for Talakai. Um, I don't know what I was thinking, but he, he looks about half the player that he was last year, so he's on the interchange and, and he's a priority trade-out for anyone silly enough like me to have him in because he's about to lose even more cash. Um, moving to the next game, Saturday 5.30, speaking of uh, round 17 uh, teams that were prioritised, Sam, the Roosters and the Cowboys, Obviously, plenty of super coach relevant um, players at the Roosters. Yes, mate. I'm uh, just like Wilf. I'm uh, hoping for Tedesco back up because I have Teddy and Turbo. Uh, so I desperately need a fullback this week. So if Turbo's out, I'll, I'll need all my luck to go uh, Teddy's way that he gets on the field this week, or I'll be popping an AE of Manu from the Bulldogs. So desperate for one of my fullbacks to stand up this week. You're not the only one, mate. Um, but Teddy, 664K, break even of 138. It's it's otherwise someone that you might look to to move on to a sneaky ponger or someone like that. But but it's it's like a lot of players this week. Uh, anyone that you might look to move on seems to have a pretty high break even, but at the same time, players that you might want to get in like uh, on the other side playing him this week, Val Holmes, his break even's 111 as well. So you might want to sit on that, Wilf. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I mentioned Holmes, I think, two weeks ago in that he was going to be around 20 trade-in for me. I mean, obviously, backing up from Origin, he's got the high break even, and he's got the storm waiting for him next week. So definitely not keen to have Holmes if I don't have him yet. And round 20 gets the Broncos. He'll be nice and juicy for that round for sure. Hopefully around 500K. Who, and another person around uh, 500K as well. We've talked about him as, as not a particularly relevant player this year, but he's a super coach legend. Tamalolo broke out a bit with an 87 this week. Um, Sam, is he the kind of guy that you'd roll the dice on? Four, 484K with a break, even a 31. Oh, how do you say no to Lolo, especially at that price? Um, <laughs> I did look at him last week. I didn't pull the trigger and uh, when I saw him rampaging down the field. <laughs> After scheme rolling someone, I was a little bit dirty at myself. But I I can't pull the trigger with my low trades. I can't pull the trigger on him. But um, that was always third score over sixty for the season. Is that right, fellas? Or yeah, he did look to have recaptured a little bit of his old form. And and we talked uh, about this with Rob Sutherland last week that it's it's less about the minutes played um, and and more about the lack of runs and in particular the lack of tackle bust with Lolo this year. So I wouldn't necessarily that, say that's a Todd Payton issue at all, but but he did seem to recapture uh, some of that form, particularly with that big line break, Wilf. Yeah, I mean, if you take the line break and the triasis that he got from it out of the equation, he still only scored 65, which, I mean, I know it sounds weird, but it's only 65. With the way people are scoring this year, like, I mean, are you playing Lolo ahead of the likes of, you know, Tohu Harris and, well, obviously Harris were back from injury, but, uh, you know, Angus Crichton, David Fita, they're getting a run before Lolo does. And if you've got Tohu fit, like, are you going to, reserve Lolo like you're going to be hoping to reserve some of your higher upside guys so for me I just think it's a bit of a luxury last week probably was the round to get him I you know it was really positive to see him you know get that nice line break and obviously contribute with the offload to the to get the tri assist but you take out that one big play is 
even his work rate, it's still not quite where he usually is with the minutes he got for the for last week. So, I mean, if if you were looking at getting someone, if you wanted to downgrade someone uh, to to free up cash and get Lolo in to to you know upgrade elsewhere, then I don't mind it. Like for example, if you had the right dual positions to maybe go like Teddy down to Lolo, for example, <laughs> which sounds crazy to do that, but you can free up you know two hundred grand doing that, and that can go to 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 someone else if you needed it. <laughs> I guess that that's the way I'd look at it. Um, it's certainly not a bad option to have Lolo as your fourth second rower, but yeah, I'm looking for better upside, and the 2021 version of Lolo doesn't really have that you know hundred plus upside at the moment. Yeah, it actually brings us nicely to the next game because someone who's kind of my fifth second rower at the moment, but he's been named back at that, uh, you know, terrible, uh, you know, number 13 spot for the Knights. Uh, the Knights playing the Storm is Mitch Barnett, uh, 441k break even of 44, but he's got Connor Watson there. Uh, a lot of us have both Barnett and Watson, and they've been cannibalising each other's points when when Barnett's played in the middle. Um, you know, maybe he's a Lolo uh, trade out, but uh, Sam is is Barnett in particular, and, and I guess more broadly some of the other Knights and Storm players, um, someone that you'd want to keep in your final team for the run home. Well, I um, moved on most. Well, I moved on all my Knights players straight after the, their first ball or their boy. For the run home, the only one I would be looking at is Ponga. I mean, that's no shock to a lot of people. Just having a quick scroll up and down. No, Ponga's the only one of any interest. Uh, David Clemmer on the bench, if he gets back to starting, he's got to be, I haven't got the prices up in front of me, guys, but I'm assuming he's around the 400k mark. Now he's had a big fall from grace this year, but if he can get back in the starting, uh, starting team and punch out, you know, some minutes again, he could be someone you could look at as a, as a downgrade option in the front row. Um, but apart from that, guys, no, um, no, Pong is the only one for me, depending on how he um, comes up. Yeah, Ponga is interesting. Got a couple of uh, tough matchups before a really juicy run home. 2.3% owned, 679K with a break even of 46. He's, you know, got, I think it's the fifth highest uh, average uh, in Supercoach this year. He's certainly one of the absolute elite players, even though he's been a little bit overshadowed by you know, Teddy and Turbo and Paps this year. Um, Wilf, we know that Guy, you know, going back kind of round seven or eight was already flagging that Ponga was the kind of guy he'd want to bring in his his final team home. Um, Is he the kind of pod that you want to risk, particularly at that premium fullback position? I think that when Guy was talking about him and, you know, I was similarly like, Guy and I got Ponga the same week. So we both obviously very keen on him back then. I just worry because he doesn't have the goal kicking anymore. And, Sure, it's probably not the be-all and end-all because even if, even if you look at his scores, I, I think you know from from his goal-kicking side of things, it's only really adding. It's not actually adding that many points for him so far. It's only a, an additional thirty-two points across the six games he's played. So yeah, it's not that much. But I think with the draw at the end, you know, he's not going to have the same ceiling that he had in the previous rounds or you know even earlier this year. He won't go 150 plus without the goal kicking. That's the way I see it. So my concern for that is that whilst you've got the likes of Turbo and even Teddy somewhat, like they've got that ceiling even without the goal kicking. Like Ponga needs it, like just like Pappenhausen probably needs it and, and you know, the likes of Hines or whatever to be able to crack that 150 to get up to even, you know, 200 or whatever. So that's the issue I have. Having said that, with ownership that low, like I can't blame anyone for wanting to take a punt on Pongo from round 20. He'll have two cracks at the Broncos for the following six rounds from there onwards. So we've always seen how bad the Broncos are against fullbacks all season. So there could be a double 150 there for Ponga in both those weeks, even without the goal kicking. Yeah, and look, you know, 88.3 average from the six games. It's it's the fifth highest, you know, not counting Matthew Figo's one game. Um, you know, it's higher. We've talked a lot about Nico Hines and Gutho and Teddy and even the likes of Cody Walker. Um, you know, he's, he's averaging more than them. So, yeah, he probably doesn't have that kind of explosive touching a, a 200 ceiling, I guess, unless it's against the Broncos uh, without that goal kicking. But, gee, uh, very, very tempting. But I probably want to have a, uh, a few more trades in my back pocket than what I do have. Just before we do move on, um, Braley at 425K really has kind of 
fallen back to his base stats uh, with no attacking stats in recent times. Sam, I'm not sure if you do have him uh, or even who you'd move him to if you wanted to move him on, but is he the kind of guy you, you're reluctantly stuck with for your final team? I wouldn't be too concerned if he's a second hooker. I mean, he's a great fallback option. Um, unfortunately, I moved him out last week for Victor Radley, so it's quite happy if that. I was picked up 58 points. I don't know if it's going to be worth it on on the way home, but no, nah, Brayley's fine. As a second hooker for the rest of the year, Brayley's fine. I wouldn't be too concerned about that. Okay, no worries at all. And over on the Storm side, uh, it's all the usual suspects. Um, you're holding Brandon Smith at the very least until Harry Grant comes back. Nico Hines has got one more week by the sounds of things, until Paps comes back and then Cameron Munster's perfectly viable for the run home for the people who don't have Cody Walker. But let's move to the Warriors-Panthers game Sunday, 2pm. Um, Warriors, a few changes with particularly poor old Chad Townsend's uh, being bounced to the reserves after sitting there for Cronulla, moved to the Warriors for a game and, and he's back on the pine again. Uh, and the Panthers, speaking of halves, still have those issues as well. Wilf, Tyrone May and Matt Burton really kind of not doing the business anywhere near as well as Cleary and Luai were. No, and it's, I mean, I don't know how much of it is that maybe Burton got overhyped earlier or maybe Tyrone May is an absolute handbrake to that whole Panthers attack. I just, you know, we've spoken in the past, he's just not very good as a halfback anyway. He's probably a better centre. Even then, he's not ideal. Like, it, it certainly caps their upside, and I can't see this Panthers being able to score, you know, 40-plus anytime soon while they've got those two in the halves. Um, on the Warriors, I, I think Townsend's actually, you know, I'd be surprised if he's actually fit. So that's probably why he's on the extended bench. Uh, that, you know, he's he was expected to be out for a fair bit longer, so it's a bit surprising to actually see him named at all. Same thing with Tohu Harris. I mean, it's interesting because obviously the likes of Murdoch and Silla uh, was, were actually dropped from the top 21 altogether. So I would imagine if these guys weren't fit, they're not just there because they're, you know, they're probably a chance of playing. That's why they're being named. So I wouldn't say he's, I'd be, I'd be surprised if Chad Townsend is not actually rushed into the starting lineup as soon as he's fit because Sean O'Sullivan and Cody Nicarima, they just are not a good combination. They just don't work at all. Uh, and and that's, that's not saying much based on what we've seen from Townsend this year. Yeah, for sure. Someone who hasn't really worked out too much for owners in recent weeks, um, but one of the most popular players in Supercoach, 38.5% owned, is is James Fisher-Harris. His three-round average is down to 51, and and it's hard to think that that would improve now that all of the origin players, Barclay and Luai, are back as well. Sam, if if you did own him, is it the, is he the kind of guy that you're happy as a third front row forward, or or sitting there for his dual flexibility, or is he? Do you have to take that 482k and run with it? I actually own him, and um, he's been solid. He's been no world beater this year. He's like a lot of players; it all depends on his minutes. Um, the Panthers having a lot of games wrapped up well before half time this year. I think his minutes have sort of suffered for the for their success. Um, What'd you say, Joe? Four hundred eighty-two k. That that's value for a player like him. Um, as definitely for a third front rower. Anyway, he's probably my fourth front rower. I, well, I've got him as my fourth front rower. Um, but yeah, no dramas with bringing the fish Harris. Oh, must be nice. Uh, Wolf and my fourth front row is Spencer Lenu, so uh, you've you've upgraded on a slightly there, mate. Quite frankly, speak for yourself. Spencer's my third front rower at the moment. <laughs> Oh, crikey. I thought my team was a mess. Um, and on the Warriors side, guys, um, you know, all the usual suspects. Adam Fanua Blake's a fantastic trade-in still, uh, even though his price is rising. He's, he's certainly not affected by uh, Matthew Lodge coming into the side there. Josh Curran, though, named on the interchange. Not sure if that's, you know, to get a bit of COVID or post-COVID, you know, uh, quarantine fitness back or maybe Jazz Tavunga is a late uh, move to the bench to give Curran that that lock roll, Wolf. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Like Nathan Brown seems to rotate these these edges every single week. So, yeah, I mean, the the back row seems very fluid at the moment whilst there's no Torhu Harris, so... I wonder how the minutes are going to look once Tohu Harris is back for Fanil Blake and even Lodge. I know he's fine, like he's been doing doing well. I'm surprised Fanil Blake's even playing, honestly, after he was um, put on report twice. So yeah, I think owners can count the 
count their lucky stars on this one. Yeah, rugby league, ladies and gentlemen, the crackdown is dead. <laughs> That's it. What do you make of Tohu being named uh, in the extended reserve bench this week, boys? Do you think he's a possibility for the week after? Or? I think it's promising. I mean, it, it's better than, you know, him kind of look it's probably suggestive that he's he's more likely for next week than he is to be out for another three weeks which was that kind of worst case scenario um you know post game so it's good for me because i've i've held him so yeah i I, i'm sure that he's not an in for this week but um you know he'll he's straight back in the side if he if he does get named next week i think i did see uh like the initial prognosis when the club updated it was two to four weeks and this is two weeks, basically, if he does play. Okay. And I think uh, if he plays, it'll be with painkilling injections and things like that. So I just don't know. Like the Warriors, their season is not entirely dead, but they will need to win this week against the Panthers, which is a pretty big ask. So I wonder if this is like their last gasp type thing and they might just needle him up and cross their fingers and hope he makes it through in one piece. Yeah, very, very true. Um, their their lot is certainly a lot better than uh, the West Tigers and the Broncos. Their season most assuredly dead. Will walk us through this forward pack for the Broncos. My God, it's terrible. What do you mean, super future superstar TC Rabati and Kobe Hetherington? And no. look, Panhas obviously backing up from Origin. He's going to be starting. So I wonder if his minutes will be a little bit capped, even though they do have the longer turnaround because it's Sunday. Uh, that they're playing. But, yeah, I mean, surprisingly, I've never been a fan of East Kennedy. I was actively hating every time he was selected last year, but he's actually been really good this year, surprisingly. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked I remember saying that, but I was actually wanting him in the team uh, a couple of weeks back when he was dropped for some reason, when he was uh, not playing while Palacia was playing. Like, it made no sense to me. I was actually wanting Kennedy in, in instead of Flegler, who is uh, soon to be origin debutant Thomas Flegler, which is crazy. <laughs> oh, wow. But, yeah, look, surprisingly, you know, there's no big names here, but on you know, on what I saw last week, Kennedy was one of the better performers in that pack, even for the Broncos last week. Rabadi, you know, he's got that attacking upside. <laughs> he's been compared to Pangai, who is obviously suspended still and could be on his way out to some other team. Might be on his way to your Bulldogs, Joe. Yeah, please. We'll uh, we'll take anyone. To, if there's one thing the uh, the Bulldogs needs, another effing edge back row because we don't have enough of those. I'm really shocked that Bullimore's actually on the bench and he's in the 18th jersey. I, I'd be. I was expecting him to be in the team because he was one of the better performing players uh, in that win against the Sharks uh, a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah, you know, it, on paper it's gross, but. In terms of what they've actually been putting out on the field, it's actually one of the better packs that the Broncos have had this year, which sounds gross, doesn't it? It is pretty gross. But Katoni Staggs' second game back was fairly impressive uh, on his uh, season debut. Um, I think it was 64 points, but Wilf is saying he's got a bit of a hammy twinge and might be in doubt. Yeah, there's some room of going around that he's uh, tweaked his hamstring. It seems like it'll be minus, minus strain because they haven't ruled him out yet, but they're probably, I would assume, uh, they're going to hold him back for a week and probably he will play next week. So, yeah, I, I just think with Stags, I mean, he's, he's not shown himself able to stay healthy so far, obviously coming back from an ACL on top of everything else he's been doing. And NRF Physio in the past has shared about how these other soft tissue injuries can happen a lot because they're compensating using other muscles instead or subconsciously trying to stay off the ACL or whatever they're returning from. So, that's part of the concern here for Stags, and I wouldn't be rushing to bring him in as much as he did look really quite uh, quite good with that attacking spark that he offered. Yeah, it's interesting. The um, you know he's the kind of guy that you'd want to not necessarily bank on in your top four centre wings. But uh, Dane Laurie is playing in the centre wing for me this week. Broncos and fullbacks is a well covered uh, ground wealth. If you're looking to move him on, definitely keep him for a week uh, just to see how he goes against the Bronx. But you're also telling me, Adam Dway, he's on your watch list as well, mate, back at 5'8 this this week. Yeah, I think so. Like with the Tigers run home, the the Tigers had a horror run from rounds 13 to 16, and we talked about that. But for for 18 onwards, I mean, the Broncos and the Seagulls next week, which obviously a bit tougher with Tommy Turbo likely, uh, you know, playing that regardless than the Warriors. 
Bulldogs, Cowboys, Sharks, and then tough game against the Panthers, but then they finish up with the Bulldogs again. So potentially, you know, that's three games against the 15th and 16th placed teams in this run home. So I'm not going to lie, Adam Dwayne, he a little bit uh, tempting. I've got you know someone like a Barnett who I could trade out. His ownership is quite low, which is, uh, that's the appealing part. And he's dropped to a really juicy price. I think he's just 517000 So looking quite quite closely at that, the only thing that's really making me hesitate is just it's burning another trade. And I've only got five left. And, you know, he was never really on my trade plans because I thought he was going to be playing center for the rest of the year. But here we are. So here we are for sure. Sam, I'm not sure if you've got anything to add to Will's searing analysis of Ethan Bullimore and Reese Kennedy's super coach prospects. Um, but anything from this game jump out at you, mate? Nah, mate, Payne House, he's the only one I would be looking to bring in for the run home. Uh, not this week with the origin and him starting this week, but uh, from next week on, Hass would be uh, probably the only person out of there. Well, Stags, obviously, if he was 100% fit, but with rumours going around, I then trade's really low. I can't bring him in for the rest of the year. I'd love to have him, but I just can't do it with um, four trades left myself. Um, is the 16 for the Tigers, is this his first start in at the NRL this year? Or, uh, yes, Simpkins. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I did see that kid earlier in the year play a reserve grade game, and he was really he was really good in that. He looked like he had a game that was super coach friendly. So he's a guy. If I get to watch this game uh, for a five Sunday, yeah, I'll be at work. I'll watch it at work on Sunday. <laughs> I'll be uh, looking to see how he goes for um, next season super coach and see what sort of player we have there. He was quite good in the trial games at the start of the year, and it was a bit of a smoky potentially to jagged bench spot, but unfortunately, you know, didn't quite get there. Has some had some injury issues since then, but no, look, I, I totally agree. I think there's a fair bit of buzz about him, and he could be really good, not just for the Tigers, but also for Supercoach. So, definitely one for the watch list. Definitely. So, the final game of the week, guys. As a Bulldogs fan, I'm hoping uh, for a downpour uh, because the Bulldogs certainly aimed up against the Roosters in the rain last weekend, but uh, looking ominous against the Rabbitohs, Sam. Oh, the Bulldogs are going to get thrashed this week. Sorry, Jay. They're going to get thrashed. Um, I, I realised as I threw to you that you were the wrong guy to talk to about this stuff, uh, being an Eels <laughs> fan, the Eels and the Bulldogs, but, mate, c- continue. Play every single rabbit you have this week, even if they're coming off the bench. Uh, Benji starting off the bench. He could be in chat for a 50 or 60-point game this week. Um, yeah, if you have rabbit you play them this week. This is the week to play them. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it really is as simple as that, isn't it? You know, you're not benching Johnston. You're not benching Cody Walker. In fact, if Turbo's out, Cody Walker's a very viable captaincy option. There are a few people that have held on to Luttrell. Um, maybe they're zombie teams, maybe they're not, but but he's an obvious play as well. Damien Cook, a lot of people will be hoping uh, he can recapture some form because, God, we need a, at least one hooker that's that's pumping out, um, you know, big scores as an option for the run home. Wilf, not much on the Bulldog side, really. I mean, uh, both Sam and I have got Falakiko Manu and we don't want him playing because we wanted him as enough. Uh, Luke, Luke Thompson's really faded uh, after kind of a strong middle of the year. Um, not much doing else, is there? No, not at all. I mean, Josh Jackson actually has had some pretty good scores lately, but you can't, like, there's no upside there. So, yeah, no, let's move on. That's about it. Yeah, let's move on. So, look, that is the team news for the week. So let's take a quick break. Hey, fellas. We are in the thick of winter and the storms are brewing. Luckily, our partners at Manscaped specialise in products to make sure you're walking around town with beautiful snowballs. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code CHAMPIONS at manscaped.com. Manscaped are here to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience, offering precision engineered tools for your family jewels. The Manscaped Performance Package is the best buy of 2021. The Performance Package comes with a new improved lawnmower 3.0, which is the best trimmer on the market, best hygiene tool for the modern man. You get the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, you get the performance boxer briefs and a travel bag. The bundle also comes with a crop preserver ball deodorant and a crop reviver ball toner. If you want to look good, that's upstairs and downstairs. You want to smell good, you want to feel good, you may as well use the best tools for the job. Don't get cold feet this winter. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code CHAMPIONS at manscaped.com. There's also a ton of other amazing men's hygiene products on the website. But look, don't take my word for it. Give it a go. 
jump on the website, 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using the code CHAMPIONS. Again, that's 20% off, free shipping at manscaped.com using the code CHAMPIONS. Thank you again to Manscaped for making our winter wieners look so good. If you are what you say you are, a superstar, then have no fear, the camera's here. All right, so firstly, i got to start off with an apology to one of our champs. So I, I gave a big shout-out last week to Rob, who uh, was, you know, he, he had that great shout-out on Twitter to yeah, the, the son of one of the other guys, uh, the NRSC Sponge, for those who followed. But uh, he actually didn't win last week. He won the week before. So I'm going to give a shout-out to Jamie uh, Jumbles, who was actually the winner. He was actually the one who picked Ruben Gag for 160. Uh, so yeah, apologies again. I wanted to give your give you your fifteen seconds of fame <laughs> on the podcast there. So good on you, Jamie. Uh, but look, speaking of that, I was I'm catching up, Joe. I'm up to four. Yeah, I'm a bit dirty. I, I tipped Sam Walker for 140 points, and I don't know why there isn't a super coach stat for running backwards. Um, <laughs> you know, surely there's got to be a, a ton of points in that because uh, you know that that 90 meter dash at the end of the game, which I thought was genius, by the way. Anyone who's clutching their pearls and shrieking about the end of rugby league as we know it needs to settle down. But uh, Sam Walker was my pick, mate. I only got 65. Joey Manu was yours and 79, so you uh, took the chocolates. Um, but I guess for this week, we, we're going to let our guest Sam uh, have first crack, mate. Who do you think's going off this week? Mate, I'm going to go with uh, Cody Walker. I think... Um the Bulldogs are in for a long night down the Gold Coast, so I'll, I'll take Cody. I think he'll go 125 plus, and I reckon there'll be at least a double amongst that. He certainly likes going tries, doesn't he? <laughs> he does. And, but, you know, the only worry, obviously, is that, you know, Luttrell cannibalizes a little bit of that. Um, you know, from from taking it, you know his ceiling away, um, but yeah, he, he's he's my bolted on captaincy choice if Turbo doesn't back up for sure. So, very viable option there. I am going to uh, try and heap the pain on Wilf, and I am actually going to go Dane Laurie, uh, fullback against the Broncos. Um, I'm going to tip him uh, for. What I think will be a slightly lower scoring round, just given the disruption with moving into the bubble and, and everyone worried about families and relocating and all that stuff. I think Dane Laurie for 128. Not bad, not bad. I'm going to, and it's good, it's funny you raised the travel side of things. I'm going to pick someone who hasn't had to travel because he gets to play at home. Dave Feeder, my vice captain, 130. He's going to score a Hattie. Let's go. Hey, here's my heels. No way. <laughs> I knew that was I was waiting for it. <laughs> no, mate, I'll be uh, probably VCing him as well. Um, we know, we all know what the heels are like. Yeah, they, they can be rocks or diamonds. And yeah, no, I'll have the VC on for Peter as well this week. Looks a huge play. Look, I wouldn't be surprised if the only points the Titans score come from Dave for Peter. So you, you could still win comfortably your eels. But uh, as long as Dave Feeder still gets his 130 points, I'll happily take that. <laughs> yep, definitely. But we got to give a quick shout out to Swish, uh, who sponsored the segment. Thank you, as always. They are changing the way fans interact with athletes. Jump onto their website, heyswish.com, or check them out on socials at Swish, S W Y S H. Basically, you get on the website, you can p- take your pick of any athlete, not just rugby league players, but yeah, you send, you choose your athlete, send through your instructions, Swish takes care of the rest. And soon enough, you'll have an awesome video. Uh, you know, you can give words of encouragement. You can trash talk the crap out of your super coach uh, opponents that you've just towed up and head to head or whatever. Or you can, you know, wish happy birthday to you know a family member who happens to be, let's say, a Mad Rabbitohs fan, so you can get the likes of Damien Cook or Cam Murray to to give a shout out to them. So it's really, really good stuff there. Um, and at least twenty percent of all proceeds. Uh, spent at Swish goes to children's charities. So, yeah, check it out for sure, heyswish.com. And um, look, that's enough for Swish Supercoach predictions for this week. Let's look at some of the pressing issues for the round. So bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. 
All right, guys, final teams. Uh, that's going to be the topic of discussion. The buy rounds are done. Um, in previous years, it was a race to get uh, to your final team as quickly as possible. Obviously, a little bit different this year with a full eight rounds uh, to go post buys and the fact that most of us have absolutely bugger all trades left. So keen to have a chat uh, with you all about balancing that need and that traditional need to rush to your final team or do you space your remaining trades out to try and account for the inevitable injuries and, and suspensions? You know, we talk about the crackdown being dead, but with rugby league under PVL, it could easily be back in the next week or so. Uh, and, you know, we've got a bunch of very expensive players on the pine. So Sam, Maybe lead with you, mate. Um, you know, is it something that just trades be damned, get your final team and, and then cross your fingers for health on the way home? Definitely, mate. I'm I'm currently sitting with a squad of 23 that I would be happy to run to the end with. You know, there's the exceptions you need. Like if Cleary comes back, I'd like to fit him in. Pappenhausen's another one I'd like to look at. And maybe a centre upgrade. But, you know, with four trades, I'm, I'm just going to sit on the 23 players that I'm running at the moment and then with the last sort of three or four weeks, hopefully um, try and go for some other bigger guns then and see what happens. That's about where I sit with at the moment, fellas. I'm really happy with the 23. My, my two offsiders are Manu from the Bulldogs and uh, Suwali from the Roosters, who wasn't named this week. So if both those two guys disappear for the rest of the season, I'd be pretty happy. Yeah, I think the uh, you know the minimum you want is twenty two. You, you're going to need that extra depth, particularly we've spoken in previous weeks about round twenty five and the propensity for uh, for coaches to rest you know their stars before you know particularly if their their position in the top eight or top two or top four is is solidified before that round starts. So um, yeah, I'm looking at a minimum of twenty two playable players, and I guess. Will you know all of us very very low on trades? So keen to understand from your perspective how you're valuing a trade now in terms of upgrading someone that might otherwise be in that twenty two playable players. Um, you know how are you costing a trade in terms of upgrading or a slight upgrade? Yeah, I think that's that's the line, isn't it? Like if you are upgrading, how many points extra you're getting per week? Because obviously with eight rounds to go. You're wanting to maximise the, the, let's say if you're looking at upgrading, say, a dev feeder from even like someone like a Ryan Madison, right? I would see that as a upgrade that I'd want to lock in. You know, dev feeder, he's averaging 92 and there was a period of time where he was going at 110 for, you know, like a four or five week period. So that is potentially a sizable upgrade over like Maddo who, let's face it, he's not been a Maddo of last year. The minutes aren't quite there. There's a lot of, you know, chopping and changing for that Eels pack and because they can't afford to, basically. So I just think with that potential upgrade there, you're looking at, you know, potentially 20, 30 points a week, which, you know, across that, that's that's worth it in my eyes. It's different to, you know, if you're doing a very sideways kind of upgrade, if you're going, like I wouldn't do something like, Maybe something even like a Fisher Harris to Payne Haas. That to me doesn't seem as sizable of an upgrade to me to be worth that trade now. I'd rather just hold on with Fisher Harris and hopefully he'll bang out some 55 60s, maybe Jagger attacking stack now and then. And, you know, Haas might average 70, but he's not likely, like a David Feeder, to average, you know, 100 plus anytime soon because it's just not that type of player. So. That's where I see the line. If your upgrade is not likely to be more than, you know, five, ten points per week, then I'd just be banking the trade and hoping for, you know, there's an injury there that you definitely need to cover and that'll bank you, you know, 200, 300 points for that one trade that you're spending there. Yeah, I tend to agree that uh, Fisher-Harris is probably on the right side of the line where it's not worth it, but it's not too far down to someone like a Takiyaho who hasn't been named this week, Sam, Um do you think a, a Takiyaho to Haas, if you are very low on trades, is, is worth the upgrade? If Takiyaho is your third prop, yes. Um, I wouldn't have an issue with it. I think we're outscoring for the rest of the year. Um, Takiyaho has just been so up and down now. Haas hasn't been what we were hoping he was going to be this year, but he'll definitely outscore Takiyaho um, for the run home. So I, I wouldn't have a dr- uh, drama doing that trade. 
All right, so something probably a little bit more controversial. I swear that, you know, half of the players or half of the airtime we've given to players uh, this season and pre-season has been devoted to James Tedesco, Wilf. Um, but Teddy has fallen off and the Roosters certainly are well off their game at the moment. It's, I guess, viable to consider a Teddy or a Gutho upgrade to Paps to be pretty substantial. That's worth a trade, do you, do you think? Well, obviously not this week, but... You'd want to see how Paps goes, right? You, you couldn't do it sight unseen, I don't think. I'd want to see at least one game, see if Pappenhausen is the same. Like, what if he's gun-shy now um, because of what's happened? I, I'm not expecting it. If I was, I wouldn't have held him for this long. <laughs> but, you know, if, if it is, like, if you didn't have him, you'd be holding off and waiting at least a week unless, you know, there's not that many rounds left. Like, if he's back next week, then I'd probably give him the week and just see how he looks. And if he's... If he's doing fine, then yeah, Teddy's at perhaps. I mean, Teddy still averaged seventy eight point five. I and mean, you take out the injury, it's not it's it's a bit better. Uh, the HIA game that he had, but like it's not the Teddy of last year, that's for sure. And part of that is because of the the, the way the Roosters have struggled. Now, traditionally, the Roosters have always you know flown home post Origin, and, and you know really kicked on. And like you see, you look at the his, history there. Teddy's often averaged ninety. 5, 100, 105 over the last, you know, rounds 19 to 25 or whatever. So I just can't see that right now, not the way the Roosters are at the moment. They've just lost too many troops. And, you know, as much as I was hoping that there would be a better team, you know, that's why I, I pushed, I, 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 you know, really pushed to get a bunch of Roosters in my team for the round 17 bye, but they could barely handle the Bulldogs. You know, and that just that's that's scary. <laughs> yeah, it's really that um it's that third tier of players. So you got your superstars, then you got your stars, and then you've got your, I guess, in the Roosters case, it's a it's a Tupanua, it's a Radley, um, Barnett at Newcastle, Connor Watson are very similar to that as well. It's it's the value judgment is that kind of third tier of players is is it worth a trade to go from tier three to tier two it definitely is tier three to tier one you know with a with a david Fafita as as you guys have said um but it, it might just be that your mileage will vary depending on your team setup but i really wouldn't um you know i do think trades are worth their weight in gold for this back end particularly if you're kind of six or less like it seems the majority of us are sam is, is that kind of a does that encapsulate it right or do you think there's a, a little bit more nuance to it Mate, no, I totally agree with that. Yeah, that's the same logic I'm going on. Yeah, totally agree, Joe. If I was looking to bring guys in um, to make trades, I'm not looking to bring guys in from teams outside the top eight or even teams outside the top four. Cameron Murray's like an interesting um, sort of prospect. Like, would you guys consider bringing him in like after this weekend's game? Um, obviously, he'll probably get smaller minutes this week or not as many minutes this week uh, from the origin, but what do you see with the Cameron Murray type? Is he someone you're going to squeeze in your team for the final seven rounds? Or I, Yeah, I think, Wilf, this is an interesting one. I'd like to hear from you on this. I mean, Cameron Murray probably is the personification of a tier two player. He's a star for super coach, but he's not a superstar. Yeah, it's, it's a really a tough one, right, with Murray because he's, you know, we've seen that he is, he's got that ceiling, you know, he is a hacking player. And how do you look at him this year and he's got what his recent scores are, 86, 91, and he's got a 37 and 48 minutes. That was back against the, the Eels in round 12. But you keep in mind, like, the, the Rabbitohs are absolutely trashed, the Eels. Like, they, 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 they put up a score on them. And then the round before that, he was hurt, you know, scored 20 and 17 minutes. Then you look at the rounds before that, he's got 105 and 62. And then the first few rounds in the year, there wasn't much going on for him. So... We've seen, you know, in, in the, his last six games, he's had, you know, one injury and then one game where he didn't get to do anything because the Rabbitohs were just dominating on the edges. And then the other four games, uh, 105, 86, 91 and 86. So even when he's playing well and he's getting those attacking stats, he's just not like, again, this comes back to my point, like, are you going to play him ahead of a Toe Harris, a Dave Fafita, Angus Crichton? Well, I think it's pretty much universal. They are your top three options. You know, like you, you, twenty twenty one has shown us one thing, and it's about the upside. You know, you you you're going to go up the leaderboard by chasing the highest scores. You know, you want that 
you know, you want to roll out Jason Saab and hope he gets 160 against the Bulldogs, you know. You want to get that Alex Johnston 150 before anyone else does or, you know, find that uh, potential for, you know, last year Matt Ikevalu scored 163, I think, against the Cowboys. So you want that type of performance where it's just out of nowhere seemingly, but it's huge, it's low ownership, and I just don't see Cam Murray, like even if he scores a double, he's gone maybe 120 and how often do, does a middle forward score two tries? Like it just doesn't happen very often. And I know um, Toff Sipley did, just did that for the Seagulls a couple of weeks back. <laughs> That's beside the point. <laughs> so to me, like I just think, you know, it's he's a great pod. He could average 80 for the last four rounds, but are you going to play him every single week? Like I think you're wanting two fullbacks. You probably want at least another halfback, maybe another five-eighth if you got back up there. And maybe you're looking at two center wings as your reserves going for the upside. Like I, I kind of see that as being the, the probably your ideal setup set for your 17 as opposed to wanting to roll out an extra back row or definitely not a front row forward or, or definitely not a second hooker. I don't know. That That's kind of how I'm seeing this. The, the best strategy for 2021 seems to be, you know, chasing that upside, even if it's at the cost of maybe getting a 20-30 score from your center wing. Yeah, it's definitely not about the the floor. It's about the ceiling this year. And look, I do think that everyone is, or, or not everyone, but the majority of people are just going to throw caution to the wind and and hope that their players aren't the ones that get injured or suspended or rested uh, for the run home. It's it's it was successful early uh, on in the year, um, and the people right up the front were the ones burning trades left, right, and centre, and, and making kind of what you know, historically would be considered ill-advised trades. I'm not sure that uh, the Leopards are going to change their spots too much this year, but I do think it's such a high-risk play. Um, You know, they're the kind of people that might be on the borderline of top 1,000 with five weeks to go, and then they end up kind of 15,000th because their team just implodes uh, with no trades and, and they've just forced the issue. So... Look, I think that probably takes us to, you know, Sam's talking about 23 playable players. I'm saying minimum 22. Will, where are you at in, in terms of how many nuffs you can afford to carry? Totally agree. 22, 23 is the type of squad depth I'm, I'm looking for. Right now I've got Burbo, I've got Kurt Louis, and I've got Spencer Lenio as my three, uh, I guess you could call them nuffs or AE nightmares in this in this case for this week. But, you know, I don't want to nuff out anymore. So basically, that's that's what I'm looking at. If I'm nothing out to get to 21 playable players, it'll be late in the season where, you know, I'm probably just crossing my fingers and hoping for, like, the last three rounds or whatever, I'm only going to get one injury or something like that. So, yeah, at this stage, I wouldn't want to have less than 21, 22 playable players. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually – I do have 600K in the kitty, and I'm actually – if you count Spencer Lenu and Sawali as, as kind of pseudo-nuffs, or just straight out nuffs. Um, I've actually got four, so I, I want to reduce that by at least one, and, and I'll probably try and address that in the next couple of weeks. But I guess that brings us to trades. Um, you know, Sam, you've been up in Mackay, uh, you know, living your best life recently. I'm not sure how closely you've examined your potential trades for the week, mate. No, no trades for me this week, guys. Um, as I was saying, I've got 23 players that. I'm comfortable to run with for the next two to three weeks until um, the Grants, the Pappenhausens, and the Cleary, uh, Cleary guys. And, you know, those guys, when more information comes to light about those guys and what's going to happen for them for the rest of the season, I'll, I'll stick with my four trades until then. Fair enough. And, and Wilf? Yeah, so I initially was just going to hold, but it really just depends who backs up from Origin. So it'll be a decision I'll make later this week. But... You know, if I, let's say, if Teddy doesn't back up and I get Joey Manu playing as fullback again, I, you know, he becomes someone I'm very happy to roll at my 17 as opposed to, you know, I might play him anyway because he's against the Cowboys, but right now he's on the bench for me. And, you know, I'm kind of looking at my 17 going, you know, I've got Barnett on my NPRs and I've got the right jewels to be able to turn him into Adam Duehi. I'm thinking if I did that, like, I would definitely replace someone in my 17 with Dwayne and I'm seeing like yeah so I'm getting tempted to burn one of my precious five trades left but it's either no trades or it'll be something like that excellent and as it comes to me I think probably just the one I I need to punt Talakai into the sun uh, for all the good he's done me (laughs) in recent weeks at 
it. Uh, Ruin my, te- my team. No, uh, so Talakai, probably to Haas at this point. Um, it does make me weirdly top-heavy at, at front row, given that, you know, this year front row hasn't been performing in relation to uh, to the second row. But it'll be Talakai to someone. Um, I've got lots of flexibility with um, your Papa Lees, your TPJs to move up and down, and, and Burbo to go from second row to centre wing. So, yeah, Talakai out and probably Haas at this point. But, guys, I think we've gone pretty deep, um, covered it all in detail. Do you want to give us the group comp update, Wilf? I, I do, but I just wanted to go back one thing because you said, you know, you took the punt. Sorry, Ethan Bullimore. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go back to Talakai because you were talking about how, you know, you took the risk, right? Autumn, sight unseen, you know, first game, that he basically was named to start. If if I'm not mistaken, that's when you got him in? Uh, yeah, that's right. So, And I knew that we had Rob Sutherland coming up as a guest on the podcast and I knew that that's his favourite player. No, that's, that, wasn't, that didn't factor in. But, um, yeah, I, I genuinely thought Wade Graham was going to be out for, you know, six-plus weeks and I honestly thought that an 80-minute edge roll was Talakai's and that's just turned out to not be the case. And that's the thing. Like These were the types of trades that people took the punt on in the early season. You know, like when people were bringing in Isaiah Papali'i as a bench forward, bench middle at the time. And, you know, sometimes you get lucky, you get rewarded uh, for that type of trade that seemed ill-advised, I guess you could say at the time. And, you know, you took a bit of a 50-50 punt and it's not worked out for you. So I think, you know, a lot of 2021 has been, you know, a lot of those kind of sliding doors moments where if you didn't take the seemingly unwise risk, you ended up going the wrong direction or you make stupid decisions like me with holding Ryan Pappenhausen and just refusing to let go. (laughs) And then you can take your own season for that for no reason. (laughs) He'll come back sometime in the next eight weeks, mate. Don't worry about it. Come back, Ryan. I miss you. If he doesn't come back in rule, do we get a discount on him for next year? He'll always start at 700,000 or... (sighs) Wilf already gets the Daily Telegraph discount, Sam. Don't encourage him. (laughs) <laughs> oh, this is this is just fake news, absolutely fake news here. <laughs> it's did. But look, on that, um, supercoachchampion.com, they, I suppose, sponsored our group comp all year. Quick update, we've got uh, Robert, Coach of Centurions, who's slipped down to third. Um, he still scored 773 last week, but, uh, yeah, first and second still did a bit better than him there. Uh, second in the comp, we've got Eliminators. That's Andrew uh, as the coach who's in sixth. And then... Um, in, in third place, we've still got Justin, coach of the Dropkicks, in 14th. So those three are still pacing that group comp. Uh, so, yeah, good luck to those three. And obviously anyone else who's on their tail, uh, I think it's still up for grabs. It's definitely quite an open uh, open competition there. So good luck to everyone. Thanks again to supercoachchampion.com, promo code CHAMP, C-H-A-M-P, and you'll get 10% off and free shipping. Uh, we'll finish up here. Quick shout-out, as always, to the champions the champs who support us on the Patreon. Uh, we'll catch you in the Discord and we'll definitely be helping um, keep you all updated on everything that's been going on with Origin and players backing up and all that. And obviously we'll help work through your trades and other decisions like that. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure you please uh, review and subscribe uh, so you can get the episode as they drop. We will have a late mail edition this week. And if I'm able to, uh, fingers crossed, we can line this up. But um, like last time, uh, when we had the Wednesday origin, I'll get NRL physio to catch up with me afterwards and we can go through hopefully no injury carnage. But if there is any, he will get his insight uh, to see if there's likelihood of people backing up and things like that. So, Sam, thank you as always for coming on. We really do appreciate it. And, um, yeah, it's so it's always – I always feel happier when I've had a chance to talk to you and obviously talk to you about Supercoach as well. So appreciate it again. Anytime, Will. Great, great to chat to you, Joe. Cheers, mate. Thanks as always for listening. We will catch you again soon. Thanks, guys.